Welcome back to Geek Life and... Four J's and a comic. Another combo meal. This week we have me, your host, JP. As always with me is my fearless co-host, Marcus. Sweaty and hot and ready to talk. And then with us again we have John. Hello, everyone. And back again after a long hiatus, Justin Woods. Hey, hey. And then for the first time we have Justin Nevar. Thank you for bringing me. All right. There's so many fucking Justins on this episode. All the J's. It's four J's again. <laughs> yeah, we needed a yeah. fourth J. Yeah. yeah. I got it. Joe left us cry. And Zachary. I just wanted, I wanted to be the jackass. I, I thought that would be my title. I already take that. Ju- that obviously, pretty much that's me. Yeah, the last combo yeah, meal we had Marcus playing Justin. Now we have both of them together. It's going to be dead. It's pretty exciting. Here we go. I'm going to enter the danger zone. I just feel like halfway through, you just going to start hearing... We didn't even make it halfway through before we heard that. <laughs> Apparently. We made it like less than a minute. Yeah. Dude, last episode that I just recorded that just came out was the one where we were talking about what were we talking about? Afterlife we were, with Archie. Afterlife with Archie. And so bitch, there's so, so much insane freaking stuff in that episode. The gag reel is like three minutes long. Like nice. it's huge. Did you leave the whole thing on there? The whole wow. three minutes? Oh no, no, no. No. I, I took most mostly Marcus kept breaking out into song. <laughs> <laughs> it fucking happens sometimes. <laughs> but do, it was man? breaking out a song and it's like, I'm singing sort of voice. And so there's like 30 seconds of Marcus just rocking out at the end of it. So listen to the end, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So this week we're. It would have been six if I had been invited to that episode. Just saying. Dude, I know. I totally. I'm such an idiot. It's all right. It all was. Right. It's going to be back. I thought JP sent the email. He thought I sent the email. Yeah, it was one of those like uh, wires crossed situations. All right, I'm not going to be offended. We're, we're afraid of your ma- of your of your magnificent voice. Mm. You seem really. We, mad. See, whenever you're on this podcast, gonna be. then like everybody <laughs> pays attention to you and not to us because your voice is so magnificent. Yeah, I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> he says the same thing to me. Well, then He's we're screwed because my voice puts everyone to sleep. <laughs> all right, so this week we're talking about Outcast. By Robert Kirkman and Paul Azacita. Paul, you can uh, call JP and pronounce your name for him. That's it. That's the best way. So, Outcast is really, I'm, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, we're going to get into, you know, splitting it up like we always do. First talking about the writing and then talking about the art. But I just wanted to get, you know, a little catch up with you guys and uh, just general impressions about this comic. I had a hard time getting into it till the end of the first issue. Yeah, yeah, right when things really come to a head at towards the end of the first issue, it's kind of like, oh, there's really a story here that's really ex- – because there's so much sort of slowness in the beginning. But I think I may have been biased because there's been this buildup by all these speculator people coming in and buying shitloads of issue number one. Really? And then number two died on the vine. And if we were a good comic book store, we had it would have had number three in today. But thanks to our wonderful partners at Diamond Comics – They sent me the wrong book, and there's no replacements for number three till the second printing. Oh, that long? Oh, shit. What do you mean, the wrong book? They They sent him a second printing. They sent me the second printing of number two, which we have plenty of down there. Hmm. So now there's literally a stack of like 30. Because when you pay people $8 an hour to pack books, and there's two of basically the same comic out... It's easy to go over the wrong shelf, stick, pack it, and send it off. But at least they weren't damaged like most of this shit Diamond sends me. Yeah, right. Don't even get me started, dude. <laughs> you were really, really gracious just now with the $8 an hour employees. I would have been like, fuck those guys. They sent me the wrong comment. Every- why, don't you, why don't you give us your spiel on it? 
Fuck those guys. That's, That's the whole spiel. That's it. I, That's, I wanted issue three. I don't blame the workers. I blame the system. It's really unfortunate because I was very much looking forward to issue three. Mm. It seems like things are really picking up big time at the end of issue two. We really look look like at the end of issue two, we're really, you know, having a antagonist. It's not just ambiguous. So let's let's get into this. And let me go on my little John mini. Yeah, rant. you do. Do your mini rant, John. Let's hear it. It because has been a while. The majority of the people that come in for this book, <laughs> Marcus, are not. I don't think they read this book. They're buying it because it's Kirkman. It's Kirkman, and it's Kirkman, been announced famous for The Walking Dead. Walking that there's Dead. a a Cinemax pilot coming out, and they want it just for specu- for this already. Yeah, for resale this, probably. For this, yeah, because like. Issue one, first printings now are going somewhere around $20 on eBay. <laughs> but Really? Because there's one downstairs for $4. Well, that's that's not a first printing. Oh, wah, wah, wah. So then you get the people coming in that think, I'm fucking stupid, and I don't know this. So they grab like a stack. Be like, well, I want to buy these. And I'm like, if I wanted them sold on eBay, I could sell them myself. Yeah, I really like that you hold so you a high only, level of integrity. You only let them buy one? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's I like that you hold a high level of integrity. Like this is a comic book shop. Come in, buy the comics, and enjoy them. This is not an opportunity for you to come in and work the system and not appreciate what this is all about. Like I like that, John. So because of this, when I was reading issue one, I'm like, this better be goddamn fucking amazing. <laughs> this better be like Jesus comes down and's like, here, John Harder, here is everything you've ever wanted in a comic. I'd just be happy with tomorrow's lottery numbers <laughs> if that happened. But, you know. And, you know, I Googled what are tomorrow's lottery numbers, and the fucking wasn't on there. So Google does not have everything. We do not have all the world's knowledge in our pocket. It's true. We do not. We do, cannot scry into the future. God damn it. Yes. <laughs> Apple will figure out a way. Yeah, it won't be Apple. It'll be Siri. She'll become self-aware. <laughs> Crap. December 2015. Siri becomes self-aware. Decides it, that everybody has to listen to pop. Forever. Forever. Isn't that how, like, Terminator 2? Exactly. is that exactly what happened? That's exactly right. <laughs> Siri becomes self-aware. I kind of thought that Siri already was sort of self-aware. I asked her the other day. I was like, hey, Siri, what do you think about Mallow Man? And she was like, fuck you. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was it. We, she was like, he would be better if you roasted him on a fire. <laughs> I don't know how many hours we've spent sitting around the phone just trying to get Siri to say something inappropriate or ridiculous. We were sitting around at, when I guess when some the first person who had a phone that had Siri, we were all sitting around at In-N-Out Burger just talking nasty to it and trying to just say all this ridiculous stuff. And, and it really wasn't working. But then eventually we started to get into some funny stuff. Like if you talk about being drunk, she'll tell you where the, like the closest rehab clinic is. But my favorite one was the, yeah. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Yes, it did. It did. Right. But my fa- favorite one was we were starting to quote South Park lines. And so then somebody broke into the in she- to chef song. Suck on my chocolate salty balls. And I was like, wait. And so I grab it and I say, Siri, will you suck on my chocolate salty balls? And she says, I will try. <laughs> it was like, yes. It's like the closest you could get to her being, you know. Okay. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. It's ridiculous. When my mom got her new iPhone, I started asking Siri racist joke questions. My mom's like, don't do that on mine. <laughs> <laughs> like it's gonna save it specifically on yours. Well, it all goes to doesn't it goes every, to the cloud yeah, basically. You know, Siri is like a central Alpha. centralized computer. Wolfram. So Alpha. they think this, you know, this little sixty-some-year-old, you know, m- mother from Arizona. <laughs> 
Asking nope. all these yeah. nasty yeah. questions. Yeah. You know, you can ask, you can have Siri actually call you something else. Like, you can be like, from people now do, on, pe- call me people, sexy. Yeah, people do that all the time. Well, I tried to get my friends, like, I stole her phone and tried to get it to call her Shamalama Ding Dong. And for some reason, all it heard was Dong. <laughs> 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 and, and it was like, I cannot find Dong in your contacts list. <laughs> Forever alone. <laughs> Siri, call me master. How may I assist you? <laughs> wah, wah, wah. I'm pretty sure that I we're a ways so off from Siri. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you. Yeah, aren't they now all? she's getting indignant. She's... I know. Now she gets mad. <laughs> so, Outcast is the new comic by Kirkman, and it is talking and really dealing specifically with what looks like demon possession, which is an interesting subject. And I remember hearing somebody talk about an interview that Kirkman had not long ago, where he was saying that the zombies are all well and good, but there's a certain amount of sort of disassociation from feeling like it could really happen. And he feels like somehow talking about this subject might move out of the realm of something that doesn't feel like it could ever really happen. Because he's like, you know, zombies are, it's like, yeah, they can be an allegory for starving desperate people. Yeah, there could be, you know, infected folks. Yeah, there could be riots, things like that, that align a little bit with some of those experiences that we enjoy in zombie fiction. But he feels like to a point, there's just enough of it is a little bit so far-fetched that we don't really buy in all the way. And so he was thinking that talking about a subject like this, he feels like it's a little easier for it to get under your skin. And so I think that's kind of an interesting perspective because I think really zombies, for me, totally get under my skin because I always feel like zombies are an allegory for like starving, desperate people. Well, it can be anyway. And it very much feels like those kind of situations could totally happen. You know, we just in Napa had a big, big earthquake, 6.0 earthquake. And I'll tell you what, the night that it happened, 3.30 in the morning, you wake up, I mean, that's a big earthquake. And I'll tell you what, the atmosphere was distinctly zombie-like. You know, it was just really intense. And there was this just tension in the air. It was creepy. Everybody was, you know, all the, all the power was out. Everybody was spilling out of their houses with flashlights on their phones, being like, what's going on? You know, you couldn't get cell service. It was really crazy. I After that... I really realized how ill-prepared I am. You're right. It takes something like that. I mean, to nothing make you go, happened oh. here. We're, we were 20 miles away from the epicenter where you guys were right on the epicenter. Yeah. You're just sitting on it. But I'm like, I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You don't realize how fragile your environment is. And I'm not talking about physically, but as soon as power goes off, you're, you know, in our house, I've got four, one, three flights of stairs, four flights of stairs. You know, it's like we need to have flashlights everywhere. Yeah. Well, not on, all of us can live in a mansion. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Don't give well, me that crap. You know, well, your, was your butler afraid? What was that happening? <laughs> you know, the statistically, it takes something I like, like. I was like, Benson, where the fuck are my flashlights? <laughs> I don't know, sir. I Consequently, have a if any of you are interested in a position as a butler, <laughs> Benson got his fucking ass job. fired. <laughs> I walked out. He of had a, not been replacing the batteries. I walked out of the third story of my house, and I'm like, "Why the fuck is my chandelier swinging?" <laughs> He's like, "The Porsche should be in the driveway, ready to go. What are you doing? What do you mean there's no Benson Nutella. had not prepared the bug out bags. He was." No. Definitely needed to be fired. Now on Facebook, the Brian said it shook where he lives so much it moved his car. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was talking to somebody, and their next-door neighbor is a baker, and so they're up super early in the morning heading to work, and they were driving down the road into Calistoga right when it happened, and they just spun right out because it was shaking so hard that it just they just lost grip on the ground. You know, it's not it's not actually a shaking 
It's a roll. This one was a roll. It's a yeah. roll. Earthquakes generally. This one cause... felt very side to side. It didn't feel up and yeah. down. It felt For very us, side to side. Our, our house kind of did this sort of. I don't. It was very sort of you know wobble 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 right. almost figure eight ish. Yeah. Um, we were okay. Obviously, you know, I honestly thought that my dog was having another seizure. And because, you know, he's a big dog and he has seizures, and which is essentially him running full bore through the house uncontrollably until he hits something that stops him. And one time that happened to be my face. I mean, he jumped up on our bed and ran over Leslie and I Brody? before he, yeah, before he hit the wall. That's a big dog. Yeah. He's 120 pounds. Yeah. So, so that's what I thought it was. So the first thing I did when I felt it is I jumped up and covered Leslie instinctively protecting i don't even know where that came from <laughs> i should have been protecting myself but i was protecting her and then Protect I, when the I, wife when i realized what it was you know oh, that's an earthquake i mean and it's so it was sort of like eh, okay it's an earthquake you yeah. could use that technique like outside of earthquake times so you just jump on your wife and just be like quick i'm covering you make love before the end of the world go go <laughs> i was i was expecting you right know. here on the beds at Bed bath and beyond. Expecting, <laughs> expecting Justin to talk about when Joe, when Brody jumped on his face. Go, 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 Brody. The dog's like, go, go. All right, Scooby, you dirty bastard. So, do you guys think that it would be more scary? No, and you that's know? the thing about I, this. I think a zombie outbreak is much more likely to happen than demonic possession. Being the atheist I am, hmm. and that's where this book loses me as well. I dig the idea of. The whole sort of, you know, where he went with it. But as soon as it got religious, and it doesn't necessarily get religious, but as soon as the theme well, turned like to the, that. The third page is a priest trying to exercise yeah, the yeah, demon. The, what's cool is the priest is really a very relatable somehow. Yeah. I, he doesn't feel like a holier than thou. I'm no, gonna, he's you not know. thumping any Bibles. But I mean, if you read Ex Machina, the priest was a boxer and he beat the crap out of... He beat the, you know, he was punching the, he punched the mayor. So for me, I think, I, I think like that's where are never going to be the same again. Yeah. Without so boxing banging gloves. little boys or punching you in the face. Um, my thing is, I don't believe in any of this. Sure. So while I can follow along and appreciate the good writing, um, it doesn't, there's no way that this is going to grasp me and go, oh, scary. Whereas, so the subject of zombies resonates with you more well, in, in your fear centers. It does. We're never going to. And here's what. We're never going to have a zombie apocalypse. However, we're, we are on the verge as a civilization. And when I say on the verge, I would say probably in one of our lifetimes, I believe that there will be a mass breakout of some sort of undefeatable virus that causes the next Black Plague. See, I'm, I'm almost more of a giant class uprising that will be like that. I mean, we got very close to it over the last few days with what's happened in Ferguson yeah. about showing between the haves and the have-nots. Speaking of which, do you want to hear something interesting related to Ferguson and Sassoon City or Fairfield? Sure. So there's a website that you can go to where you put in the state and your county, and it'll tell you what militarized anything that your county has. And in February of this year... Fairfield bought a $733,000 mine-resistant vehicle for Fairfield. I believe it. And that was after they had to pass a new law to raise the sales tax a percentage point in order to pay for their city stuff. Yeah, pay for policemen and stuff. So why does Fairfield, California, and they have several, they have one of those. In 2013, they bought other vehicles, which I believe were probably Humvees, maybe, possibly. Some of them were. Still, all of that seems a little uncharacteristic of well, like, their city. Yeah, well, they're buying, they're buying especially a, small a stuff. Especially a small 
city where we live in, you know, and yeah, but I mean, I can see it as like in case the soldiers go AWOL and like they're packing the M16s, we have a military base right next door. So it could so you're be saying the Air Force base, all the soldiers go nuts. They get the the personal defense stuff and they just start attacking the city. It could happen. I mean, uh, I mean, it's as likely as zom- zombies and <laughs> demons. But I mean, I'm f- I mean, so far, the news has said we've had someone's face getting eaten. We've seen someone's face getting eaten for a zombie. Type. Oh, that was in Florida. That was some crackhead that was chewing on somebody. I mean, you do any amount of PC. Follow Florida, man. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm you'll just... stop taking Florida seriously really fast. <laughs> Florida thing. But I mean, I mean that that's the start of the zombies. I mean, bath salts. No, it's bath salts. Yeah, which I missed that whole thing. I I don't understand. Like in my mind, I'm like, were people were going into like Bed Bath and Beyond and buying the bath salt and snorting it or something? I don't, what is, what the fuck are they talking bath about? Bath salts is a street name for a different kind of drug. Is it like that Australian crocodile or whatever? I don't really know exactly you? what it is, but it is a different kind of drug. It's 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 a street name of some kind. God it's not it. actually bath salts. God damn it, JP! Why aren't you up on the names of illicit, every illicit, illicit yeah. drug? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I've been you know too much video games. <laughs> so it or seems right. like it seems like his idea that hey, this is going to be more scary somehow than zombies is very much based on his own upbringing, his own belief system. Right. Well, in Walking Dead, the zombies aren't the scary thing. It's the people. It's the people. It's the, people. Yeah. Yeah. the zombies. It's the, you know how civilization civilization has declined, declined and been destroyed, and the the base root evilness of people come out. Well, you know, and the zombies in a zombie fiction kind of story is they are scary right when things first start happening more than they are deep into an apocalypse. Yeah, they still pose a threat, but they really become a fact of life. Like, you know, the fauna of the world. You know, it's like, oh, we've got wild animals, oh, we've got zombies, and if you go out there and you do this and that and you protect yourself against it, you have a higher or lower likelihood of getting eaten. It just becomes a fact of life, a part of the world, and it gets out of that, ooh, spooky, creepy monsters and moves into that, they're like animals. You know, they're like just a they're piece just of part life. Of, they're just part of your now that yeah, they're just I mean, a it's part a brutal of, life, yeah. but it's just a part right. of life. Yeah, and I I'm, think I think the other thing about zombies and why they're so popular right now and have been for the last couple of years is because we needed a new Nazi. We needed a new bad guy that we could not you know, feel bad for killing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you can kind of kill them in countless scores and everybody kind of feels good about it. But there is a certain level of facing and being and having your mortality shoved right in your face all the time. I mean, imagine being surrounded by walking dead people. I mean, that's one of that's our biggest well. fears as humans is dying. And so, you know, yeah, we live in a culture that way avoids anything to do with death, even talking about it, interacting right. with it, anything. Yeah. So, so I, I think that's where some of it comes from. And in this case, I am actually more terrified and that's a strong word, but you know, when we, we've read Lazarus, which I yeah. continue to read Lazarus at the back of Lazarus, there's the stuff that they put in the back of this comic every month that is actually happening now that they use as a basis for some of the technology that they've invented for this comic. Yeah, they take some sort of literary license. Yeah. But that's it. They're expanding upon something that's already happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, you know. I'm not like a go to church every Sunday um, religious person. I, I believe that there's something there, but part of the reason why I believe that there's something there is because of my fear of what is out there. The One of the reasons why I believe that there's something out there is because I'm also, you know, a tiny bit afraid of what's out there. I mean, I've I've had an experience, one in particular, that, that frightened me and my wife that makes me think that there's something else 
And so for me, like I was interested from the get-go when I heard Kirkman was going to do it. Not because I'm a fan of Kirkman, because uh, let me set for the record, fuck Robert, Robert Kirkman. I hate that guy. <laughs> but I hated that also I enjoyed his new story. Mm. Like I wanted to read it and be like, this is bullshit. No one likes Kirkman. Ugh. Why do you but feel why? that way? Yeah, why? Kirkman? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you guys got have a little story time, okay? Yeah, okay. Uh, Tell us a, a story, Daddy. Story time, okay. It, it all took place at, uh, it started at- On a dark uh, and stormy night. On a dark and dark, stormy night outside of the Image Expo, the first one, where they actually had artists there and not just for businesses. And uh, Kirkman was there. And, you know, you go into the con and automatically it's it's The Walking Dead show. It, had, it was really not about anything besides The Walking Dead. Sure. Um, I mean, the show had just started. So it was, at that point, it was, it was a lot bigger, I think, than it, it is now because it's, it's faded a bit. So I waited in line to get Kirkman's autograph. I had my uh, trade paperback. Uh, no, I'm a trade paperback. I had the hardcover of uh, the first collection. We were, I think, second to last in line to get his autograph. And so, understandably, he was. It seemed a little irritable when he actually was there. But you know, he let us take his picture. He signed my book, and then that was it. And we we're done. We we're gone. And so I was like, okay, well, that was short and sweet. But whatever, it's fine. He's a quasi comic book celebrity now. I'll I'll let him have that. And then. Later in the day, I was at a panel and I was, uh, it had a Brian K. Vaughn was there. And I actually got a chance after the panel to talk to him. And so I was talking to him about, about why the last man that I was in the middle of reading at that point. And he was really down to earth. He was really cool. He was nothing like the experience I had with, with Kirkman. And then in rolls Kirkman in the middle of my sentence and goes, Will you shine my book? Like mocking me. And then that was the end of my conversation with Brian K. Vaughn. And so I was like, okay, that's a fucking dick move, right? So I leave the con, and my impression of him is I don't really like that guy. And you know how sometimes when you've made up your mind about something, it just kind of opens up the floodgates? <laughs> if you guys watch the movie Comic Con, it has all the different celebrities and, and people that are involved in the comic book industry talking about different things. And part of that documentary is people that are trying to get into the comic book scene, trying to become artists and stuff, and then professionals' reactions to that process. And everyone... I feel like it's pretty upbeat and optimistic and they're saying that you just got to really, you know, do what you love and you got to try and you got to practice and it's hard work, but it pays off until it gets to the point where they interview Robert Kirkman and he's like, yeah, you know, some of these people, they would make really, really great like lawyers or chefs. And to me, that's like saying, fuck you, like you're not going to be able to get your dream no matter how hard you try, like stop trying. And so since then, every time I see him in the media or something like that, I'm able to pick something out of the stupid shit that comes out of his mouth that I'm just like, oh, I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> and it just grows and grows and grows. So yeah, I, I am not a fan of Robert Kirkman. That being said, I enjoyed Outcast. Yeah. 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 I enjoyed it too. And I'm looking forward to the next one, Definitely. but sometimes it sucks when you meet your heroes. Yes, it does. Sometimes it really does. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, with Outcast. I see where he can say it's more scary than zombies because zombies, you'll know what a zombie looks like. It's the rotting flesh. But with a demon, it's everyday people that you don't know they're demons. Zombies, you'll see them coming. <laughs> I found it really interesting in the second issue where it's revealed that the protagonist's mother, who was possessed by a demon, started abusing him, you know, when he was a little kid because like she a, was like a, like a light switch just flipped. Yeah. And all of a sudden she covers all the windows she starts to beat him, totally changes her personality. And that was, and, and he never really remembered her as not being that way about as, as being a good mom. He has like a like small yeah. fragmented memories. Until like after he helps with the exorcism of the young lad. Yeah. And then 
you know, he starts to remember the good times and realizes that the mom was had been possessed by the demon for so long. Can we so, take a second and just like kind of go over what the story is about? Because so we're yeah. talking about our feelings about it and what we mm-hmm. think about it, but I feel like we haven't gone over the story. Hold on. What's happening? My interpretation of this book so far is that it introduces the protagonist as someone who's been dealing with demons his entire life, but not really knowing it. So the guy's name is Kyle. Yeah. Right. And as a child, his mother was possessed for most of his life. Exactly. And um, abusive, locking him into, what was it, the pantry closet and things like yeah. that, beating him. The house had covered up windows as if she worked at night, but she didn't. Like, just, she was a vicious, wicked person. Do we, now, do you want to give away things that happen in the second issue? Or how do you feel about that right now? Do you want to? You know, I don't have a problem with that because I feel Spoilers! like. Spoilers! <laughs> okay, so then in the second issue, it's revealed that in addition to that, his wife was also possessed by a demon and ended up. His child, too. And his child. It was like. his whole family, basically. Yeah, the, everyone that he's that he's been able to follow. Well, I, I, you know, I got the distinct impression that was his, his wife, wife his was wife possessed killed. and his wife hurt his daughter. That's what I thought. And too, then yeah. he got in trouble yeah. because she comes out of it, doesn't remember anything. She got beat up because he was pulling her off of the daughter. Exactly. And the daughter got beat up and the daughter doesn't, for some reason, remember things or whatever. And so basically he gets blamed for beating his wife and his daughter. And nobody believes him that. I thought they died. No, 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 there's, no, there's, no, there's, no, there's a scene that the daughter was on the swing set. Okay, that was okay, her. Okay. The sister, I guess, the sister or sister-in-law gives him a cell phone. And he he makes a phone call on it, and it's the it's the wife. Right, right, okay, okay, okay. Right? All right, I'm catching. There's a heartbreaking right. moment where he's at his sister's house, and his sister's daughter was like, "Oh my God. you hurt your daughter, and you can't be her daddy anymore." And I'm like, "Oh, fuck. yeah." He's like, "Cause it had been two years since he'd seen yeah. her, and this little girl was tiny." And that's why I'm saying I think it was actually the daughter that was possessed because when the little boy's being exercised, he's like. I'm not as easy as your daughter, or I'm. I'm. He said her name, and I'm not. It was his mother's name. Oh, it was the mother. I thought it was was the the child. Okay, so what was the last thing that I said? Was it before the 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 last thing you were talking about was that you are kind of religious because, and not even like kind of religious. You don't go to church every Sunday. I believe that there's something there based off of the fact that I I fear there's something there. Something happened to you in Geneva or something. Yes, yes, we had a we had a scary. we had a scary story experience, and we tell everyone, uh, some people occasionally, and I'll tell you guys the story later. But suffice it to say, I believe in something. And for, for me, demons are way more frightening than zombies. Than zombies. And I think what shines in the writing, particularly for Robert Kirkman, is the same thing that shines in The, in the Walking Dead, is that he writes characters well. No matter what universe he's playing in, you know, for the horror aspect, whether it be zombies or demons or ponies farting out fairies, it's he's always has those characters... <laughs> That um, really make the story relatable. I mean, you think that where the where the ponies and the berries come from? <laughs> you know what? Like, that's that's something. Like the that next bro- Disney movie, The Black Stallion, Fairy Farters. <laughs> by Robert Kirkman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they shit rainbow, so I guess they fart fairies. They would, there would be people in your store, John. Can, hey, do you have the fucking Ponies Farting Fairies book yet? I'll take like seven of them. <laughs> Marcus's seven. only regret is that he didn't crop dust the guy when he left. Yeah. Why didn't I have Taco Bell much. and... Why didn't they get the pintos and cheese? But he does a very good job with his characters. Yeah, his anyway. characters are very believable. That's one of the reasons why I brought up the preacher being so relatable because it would be very easy for someone in that position storytelling wise to be shoehorned into this sort of unrelatable even to an unlikable degree sort of just religious figurehead who serves a purpose of being the guy who's trying to exercise something and very pious and what's nice is that this guy is very fallible you know they're getting their asses kicked by this kid who's possessed and 
this is not working. And he goes, I need a cigarette. And they go outside and they chat. And it's just like, oh, that's like what something some a normal human being would do. You know, it's like, oh, man, I got to get out of here and give, just give me a minute. He plays the the polar opposite to the, the main character because totally. you have two people working together. One of them is very positive. And Kyle is just he's a fucking sad sack because all the stuff that's happened to him his entire life. Right. And so I feel like those two play well together. And then you throw in the other elements of like his his sister and his brother-in-law and their whole family and just how they like how family deals with with itself when there's conflict and when there's bad history. I like it even better in, in the second issue because in the first issue you get that, okay, so he's been accused of doing some bad shit. That being said, in the second issue, his brother-in-law, who hates his guts, still is like he's showing his character. His his character shines through as he's kind of he's a cop, but he's kind of kind of a dick at the same time. And there's there's just no real absolutes with people. Yeah, yeah, know, which is nice, especially in you know in this environment, it's especially not family. Well, not especially with family, real, you know. It's like I hate you. I don't want him in this house. And then you know the next thing you know, they're having a beer together. Exactly. You know, it's and like, that's, that's an interesting. So family. Uh, that's what I want to find out more about because he. So Kyle goes. He's walking down the street, and this guy comes up to him, or he goes up to this guy, and he realizes who is, and he beats the crap out of him. Yeah, it's because it was it, one of the guys they used to live with. It was. It sounds like it was that revealed guy, that that guy was molesting. Well, beating, sister. beating molesting. and molesting. No, oh, molesting I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get that. I must well, have. I saw the red beat him up, beat her yeah. up. No, right. they beat the shit out of him because because he was trying to protect her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then the cop joins in. He's like, "No, it's so and so." And the cops like, "Okay, dude, let's fucking get him." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then they go fun. have a beer. And these are two people that you know, for the most part, I don't think Kyle hates the guy. I think Is I think he's, no, he's protecting his wife, and that's what you would sort of you know, definitely, definitely, very, very successful like, characters. You're the asshole that I've heard the stories about. Oh, let me just have a little bit of kicks right now. No. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. so I think what what the story is turning into for me is, you know, he's sort of a hermit. He doesn't get out. People are convincing him throughout the whole first issue. Hey, leave your house for two seconds. You know, uh, his sister, the priest, so that he can do something. And I feel like at the, by the end of the first issue and, you know, halfway through the, through the second, you kind of realize that he has a purpose. Like he's important for a reason. Yeah, you're, you're seeing redemption. Which is still totally ambiguous. Yeah. It hasn't we don't really, really know what it is. Yet. They keep calling him outcast. He keeps people that are possessed continually call him outcast. Which is creepy, too, because the and they people say, that we are need you. They we're always looking him. for you. People like you. You're special. We've been trying to get you for a while now. We tried to get you through your mother. Right. And so it's kind of like, what is going on? And then at the end of issue two, which is not the most recent issue, damn it. But at, <laughs> Thanks, the, end issue, right, at the end of issue two, we actually run into this this nameless man in a suit who is very clearly going to be a real antagonist. Oh, yeah. And, and it, it's, it's interesting. The monologue he has talking to Kyle's basically comatose mother, which was kind of so heavy. Yeah. It's so dark. You know, and it's just like, wow, this is really, I mean, this is really going somewhere. It cinched it for me. It was like, this is it. This is, I'm definitely going to continue to reading this book. I mean, it's really, really excellent. I think on the whole, it's a, you know, it's a very entertaining story. I'm definitely going to keep I, reading. I, you know, me I too. Do, I do think yeah. that a lot of its appeal, especially the fear factor of it, depends upon your belief system. Sure. But, you know, then I guess everybody kind of has the thing that bothers them the most. And so it seems like for Kirkman, this is something that definitely gets under his skin. Which I think is great as a writer, because then perhaps he'll be able to show us why, which is exciting for me. Yeah, even though I don't believe in the whole angels, devil thing, angels, demons, devil thing, I still am interested enough and intrigued enough in the writing. Totally. You know, it's it's still enough to go, well, I really kind of sort of want to know what happens to this guy. And does he is he ever going to get to hang out with his daughter? Is he ever mm -hmm. going to get redemption? Is it ever going to come out that the truth is it, you know? 
I mean, he mm-hmm. seems like he's harder on himself than anyone else. And what's interesting is that it would seem in, you know, maybe getting into issue two, he starts to realize some of the similarities between the exorcism that he just assisted with the young boy and what happened with his wife, what happened with his mother. And he's starting to go like, holy shit, I've been living this lie. I had no idea. Maybe I've been hating my mom all these years because she was so wicked to me. Maybe she was a victim too. My wife, that's probably what happened there. Right. You know, she's not some crazy bitch who ruined my life and blamed me for things and is lying and took my daughter away and hurt our child. Maybe she was, again, a victim too. And it's it's adding this whole new layer and he's his eyes are being opened to what's really going on. And these demons are circling in on him for some reason. There's something special about him. And I get the sense that it seems he is not the only person who, you know, has this condition or is in this group of people, however small, that are outcasts. You know, I'm really whatever curious. it is. And I want to know what that means. I want to know what that means. It's killing I, me. I, I'm Keep really curious where her. they're going to go with it, too, because I feel like with something like a demon, like it, it would have like a finite ending. With, with zombies, there's lots of theoretical situations you can be in with zombies. Sure. So I'm just curious to see what he's going to bring to the plate. Basically. Well, there is a distinct, right out of the gate, there is a distinct, very ominous plan. You know, there there is a antagonist. There is an agenda. It is not clear what it is, but it's there. And it's been working him since he was a child. You know, it's not like, oh, we're in this crazy situation and then... Like the whole zombie thing, like that has a much more sort of organic development of, and it's more of an investigation into society. This is more of a focused story about a handful of people and something that's been going on for a long time. And it's not normal people in extraordinary situations. It seems like he might actually be an extraordinary person. So it's definitely a different spin for him, but he's, he's handling it masterfully. It is so far very, very entertaining. In the first two issues. Absolutely. The other thing I like is that. fucks up on the third. Yeah. Let's see if he does that. Yeah. I can't wait. Did you, you, you finish the third, John? I'm I'm glad it that he's was, so far so good still. It it goes a lot more into the into the priest. Interesting. I think the priest is an interesting character. He himself almost became possessed at one point. Yeah, and yeah. know that he talks about that really really a lot in the third issue. And we see the priest gambling a lot. And in the third issue, we learn that the reason he gambles is so that he can bring money into the into the church because we see it's a real small church There's sure only yeah a dozen he's always been like hey it'd be real nice to see you in church on sunday you know Reminds so like the, of, yeah the, uh, the church secretary comes in you know and she's oh that was a long poker game and he's like gives her the money he's like here this is this will pave the parking lot and pay for the the summer picnic right yeah i like the fact that he's already possessed kids in the story so you're you're not getting that sort of whole like clincher that oh it's a baby that's gonna get possessed or something like that yeah i mean the 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 unfolding story of like what the hell is an outcast what does that mean yeah why do they care i mean off the top of my head and i'm I'm definitely a big fan of all things sort of supernatural fiction and off the top of my head i can't think of a person who has a particular state of being or condition or bloodline or something that makes them extra interesting and attractive to demons like i don't it doesn't make any sense i mean it's it's kind of like where is he going with this? So I'm very curious what he's trying to make happen here. Well, it could, you know, it could be very it could be a unique and interesting take on things. Well, lore basics is um, for supernatural demons are more prone to the seventh son of the seventh son of the seventh son. Those are the kind of people that are drawn by demons for lore basics. It's one but, of my favorite Iron Maiden albums. <laughs> but also... Um, but it seems like he's part of a group of people that have something about them that he's part of a group of people that are outcasts 
Yeah. From what to where, like I just, it's just, that is going to be something that that'll be the carrot for a little while. I think is what does that mean? It could be something like, well, we know about angels, we know about demons, but what if there was this third class, this, Oh, you mean like a Nephilim kind of thing? The half, half and half? No, not Nephilim because that's still half angel. That's where I guess so. Yeah. But this, this neutral balance or something, Mm. you know, you know, while we're talking about this sort of thing, I was going to ask, I haven't, kept up on it but there's little parts of this that kind of are reminiscent of 10 grand yeah in just the most subtle ways you know sort of the whole there is a heaven there is a hell etc cetera, etc cetera. where where is that right now 10 grand's almost finished really so i need to i need to get some copies it's almost that. finished yeah and and the cuz the art changed and it kind of lost the art, me. the art is continuing to be competent it's telling the story it's not bad it's, it's definitely, not as but good it's as the not first what, five. It's, no, it's yeah. not. It's not what we want. It's not what we want. It isn't. But it can. It's continuing a story that is totally enthralling, and so it's worth continuing on to check out. But how do you feel about the art in this book, or this? You know what we've got going on here. You know, I like the art in this book, but I don't think that it really it really jumps out at me as extraordinary in any one particular way. I think it's very, very effective. I think it very much fit the story. Yeah. I think he uses color in a really interesting way. I've never seen color depicted. I don't know that I've recognized color outside of like black and white being used to, to de- depict time. And he does that with, well, he wasn't the colorist. No, that's what I'm saying. That What's that? He didn't, he wasn't the colorist. No, I know. I'm just saying he, whoever did the artist, who, whoever's, she. She okay. Yeah. Whoever, whoever did the color coloring and stuff. The coloring is really, really good on this. It's it very, definitely sets a yeah. very huge. I mean, it sets a tone very well. It all seems a little bit softer and muted. There's not any really vibrant or go, uh, or garish colors here. It's uh, kind of yeah. I don't know if the word is pastel. It's not pastel. It's something else. I don't know. Pastel is is, is very eastery to me, and this isn't. Right. It's like muted. It's, it's very muted. muted. Yeah, it is. It's it definitely, it definitely muted, has. Yeah. It, it sets the the tone of pensiveness. Tone and mood and, you know. Yeah. But it's not it's not like we have an autumn palette and that's how it is. It's like it is the palette shifts and changes and grows depending on the time of day, depending on where they are, whether they're in his house, whether they're at his sister's house, whether at the bar, whether outside of the bar, time of day. I mean, all that stuff. Yeah. And it's a very effective color. I think one thing that I find refreshing about the art is the ink work is obviously done with a with a brush, which is really nice and allows for some very strong imagery. There's something about not having meticulously tight, precise inking, especially in something like this that is so supernatural and esoteric and things like that. You know, there's this something sort of, I don't know how to describe it. There's something about this that it doesn't need to be tightened down, but it's not dirty. You know what I mean? It, it's, uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very, very tight brushwork. I was going to say, brush it's, it's brushwork, but normally, see, I think brushwork, and I think of my favorite author, Doug Apple, and his brushwork is, it's messy, and it's beautiful in, in, in its messiness. And it's full this of happy brush, accidents. And, and yeah. It, yeah, this is brush, but it's it's clean brush. It's uh, it's brushed with enough variation in line weight and, um, you know, like looking at the ends of lines to determine that it's brush, but not so much that you're like, oh, okay, so... He wants us to know he's using a brush, you know? Yeah, no, it's it's very, I mean, it's basically like, hey, I want to use a brush. And it does add a charm, I would say, to this. Because, you know, when you're doing something that, you know, using something like a, you know, technical micron type pen, or whether you're using a pen and nib or anything in that sort of zone where it's a, you know, even even varying line weight. But there's just something about having the bristles that adds a charm to it. It's sort of odd talking charm about a comic that is so dark, but there there does seem to be this sort of earthy, natural, um, you know, it just sort of grounds it somehow. 
And I mean, he uses also in terms of the inking, a lot of heavy, heavy blacks. He weighs down the page a lot and it sets the atmosphere. It's rich. Up. It's rich. To with the inks. point where like when he's out on in issue two and he's kind of like shopping around, it's like, oh, well, this is a break from it. And now we're experiencing daylight and then some shit goes down and then like, and now back to the darkness. Yeah, into the bar where you know, boom, so, it's almost the same sort of heaviness of, of ink yeah. that his house had. Exactly. You know? There's something in particular artistically that I wanted to, to call back to. It's lighter at his sister's house. Totally, too. absolutely, yeah. yeah it all it, the the color and the inking, everything is done to set a very, very good, very specific mood. Because a lot of the comic is not a whole hell of a lot of action, and really either issue. There's maybe a grand total of maybe five to ten pages of actual action. Everything else is teaching us rather leisurely about the characters, but it's fascinating. And it, it doesn't suffer from issue one-itis where it no, makes it you bored not. of it. You know, it's, it's not character development that, that bogs you down and makes you think, oh, okay. By the end of issue two, I, I give a shit about these characters. Yeah. By the end of issue one, I was curious. Curious. I wasn't tired. I wasn't frustrated. I was curious. But by the end of issue two, I genuinely give a shit about these characters. I care about what happens to them and where they're going and the ups and the downs like that. You know, that's that's a very successful... That's successful writing. It is. It's really good. You know, we're talking about the art, but it. I really enjoy this. I did enjoy it very, very much. And I think that the art is, you know, I don't, I don't think that there was anything in there that was some kind of, you know, cute, interesting trick that stood out as kind of like, oh, that was kind of a cool thing. It's, it's all just like really good. It's just it's, really yeah, strong. It's, it's really good. I mean, that being said, I think that the writing stands out over, over the artwork. Totally. The artwork, nothing that's going to blow me away, um, but it's good. It's good. And like I said, the, the inker knows what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing to complain about. Yeah. I guess the thing, you know, it's like it tells the story incredibly competently, you know. And like John said, you know, it's a good match for what the story totally. is. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And it does. It, it really does spotlight the writing. It does. Because it's not like, ooh, look at my unique special style. It really stands out. The artwork is something that people in this book probably aren't going to spend a ton of time focusing on. Yeah, and so maybe that being said, I'm not giving the artwork enough credit, but you're right. It, it totally does. It, it highlights the it has, to writing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought it needed more marshmallow people with guns. Yeah, most comic books do, man. They Everyone do. It's, it's a problem. Can marshmallows fart? Because sure. I'd be interested in that. Yeah, yeah. It'll You'd happen. be interested in smelling a marshmallow fart? I think that would probably smell pretty good. Would you let that good. touch your tongue? I think it would have a one note, though. I think it would be a one note. I would probably let that touch my tongue, a marshmallow <laughs> fart. <laughs> Oh, We're going to write that on your gravestone. Be, <laughs> Justin Woods. He'd probably let a mushroom fart in his tongue. <laughs> a mushroom? Uh, a marshmallow. But marshmallows don't fart, they peep. I think finally about oh, the... Oh, that's uh, what you did there. Well, Look at that. that. Little ghost peeps. Well played. You know, I think the fi finally for me, artistically, I think that... And this is really what pulled me into this comic in the first place, aside from that I had a curiosity because it was Kirkman. The covers are badass. Yeah, especially the, the first are, cover. They're not Saga badass. But they're badass. No, well, they're I, badass I they're in okay. their own way. Yeah. They are. And they're, I feel like they're scary badass. Saga is like sci-fi badass. Yeah. You can classify Diamond it by their genre. Chip me all my sagas this week, at least. Thank yeah, God. Because yeah, you don't want me angry at Diamond. Although, do you know that okay, the cover for issue one is amazing and the cover for issue two is amazing? And I think there's a preview of, the, of issue three in the back of this book here. Mm -hmm. And I'm not as blown away by the cover of issue three. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. It's all right. I'll wait to see it for realsies. It's okay. So any final thoughts about Outcast, you guys? Mm. Talking about the artwork, I mean, the demon is pretty cool. Yeah, and I like how they didn't really go too deep into the detail. It was just a small amount of highlights in mostly deep shadow and inky darkness. So when the demon came out, it basically started out as this almost smoky sort of monster and then kind of solidified. And then just before 
the spell of the moment broke, <laughs> it almost just like like turned into this like liquid and just sort of like like a bucket of ink just dumped over him and then disappeared. Yeah, it, was like, it was very neat. Well, I can tell you what I don't want to see going forward is mm. I don't want to see them pers- I, not personify. I don't want to see a demon form. I don't want to see like scales and claws. You want to see possessed people, but you don't want to see some demon like, Bleh, I'm a demon. Exactly. Look I mean, at me. I've got one horns of the and shit. That I love so much about paranormal activity is, is that they, in the first two, they don't, sh- there's no uh, antagonist to look at. It's like, it's all, it lets the imagination do the work for you. And so. Yeah, that, leave it up to your imagination is much more effective most oh, of the time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so far, so, so good. But if, if I see, you know, a thing with a tail come out that looks like fucking reptar from the Rugrats, I'm, <laughs> it's going to be all downhill from You'd there. You'd be like, oh, Kirkman! The way, the way that JP described it, it almost sounded as if the demon was a gamble and loss. Yeah, right. <laughs> he came out kind of smoky and then he turned liquid. <laughs> Gambled and lost. Yeah, very cool. So, excellent comic. Looking forward to seeing where, where it goes. We may... Come back and revisit this once we get to the first trade paperback and get a complete thought. I don't know if we'll spend a whole episode on it. We can bring it up and chat about it a little bit on a future episode. It's definitely a good time to talk about a comic is when it hits its first trade paperback. It's definitely a milestone. Yeah, so, for sure. Looking forward to seeing where this is headed, definitely. And I definitely want to see what maybe other outcasts there are. Yeah, right? It definitely, you, you get the sense that there's more of whatever it is that he is that they've decided to call an outcast. There needs to be a hot one. Needs to be a hot outcast. Yeah, that's what this book is missing—hot chicks. Apparently, no. I'm, There's just not enough hot chicks in this I'm horror kidding. book. There wasn't. There, there needs really to be a wasn't. dog. The dog needs to be an outcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, ah, that'd be crazy. And I want to know more about this this new antagonist with the. He's very unnamed, very like oh, appealing. Like he yeah. draws my interest because there we don't. I mean, he's a blank slate right now. All we know is that he's creepy old dude like, well and there's something really really menacing about a well-dressed well put together sort of enemy you know because you know the demon thing a lot of the time it ends up you know it's you imagine this person who has this like aura of ugly and they're covered in icker and they're just gross and nasty and dirty mm-hmm. and this guy he's like in a proper nice clean suit he's got his sort of silver fox hair and his little fedora and and he talks in a very sort of you know unaffected speech and and seems very articulate and intelligent and incredibly dangerous would you guys remember the movie with uh christopher walken where he's he was uh uh a puss in boots yes i do no christopher walken was an angel and yes yes what was that called called prophecy Prophecy. well vigo mortensen uh mortensen plays the devil and it is awesome and he has that same he's like he's well dressed slick black hair and he just he plays it really well and that's kind of the same feeling that I got from from this character. Not that I'm saying this is going to turn out to be the devil, but it's that same sort of feeling where it's like it's clean and and at the same time you know it's well it's dangerous. You definitely said it before I was going to say it because I was going to like prediction. He is the devil. I hope not. I hope not. I mean, well, he says we. He's an angel. Yeah. I mean, at some point he says, you know, we have him, but despite you know talking to the mothers, despite what you whatever you've done to try and prevent this, we have him. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting ongoingly. I'm, I'm very excited about what com- what's coming next. So, Well, thanks for listening to Geek Life and for Jason the Comic Crossover. And like time. always, if the fine folks at Tesla Motors ever decide they want to sponsor us, <laughs> we will shamelessly we will gladly, every time. We will gladly accept a, uh, a Model S at any time. Absolutely. I or prefer black. For anybody who would like to contribute to Pandamanga.com and the Geek Life podcast, you can go to contact.pandamanga.com. 
and complete the form located there. We also have a contact form available for you at podcast.pandamanga.com. It is that easy, everyone. That's how I got on the show. It is. Absolutely. Send it in. Send it in. Send in. Uh, send us in recommendations for comic books. Send in your comic book. Send in you know requests to write articles. Anything like that. We're always looking to collaborate with creative and interesting people that are looking to uplift and support and spotlight indie creators and self-publishers and just comics in general. So that's what we're all about here on Pandamega.com and, of course, the Fortress Podcast. And we like free cars. And we like free cars also. <laughs> Absolutely. Indeed. Yes. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit AirPlusRecordings.com. This is Marcus. Read some comics. Especially if they have marshmallows in them. Listen to some metal. Actually, right, so before, you, we, before we take off... It's good to be back. We haven't done this in a while. I haven't done this in a while. So uh, it's... It's good to see everybody and be back doing this. It is. It's good fun. You don't realize how Even much you miss it. Even if it's hot and sweaty. It. it is hot and sweaty, but that's okay, because some of the best things in life are hot and sweaty. This is Justin from Ask a Metalhead and from 4Js in a Comic. I opened up uh, Bad Zero Games here in Fairfield, California, so it's a pop-up board game store. Once a month, I'll pop up here at the uh, Sassoon Hampton Inn and Suites, and we have a ton of board games in our library. Actually, I've got about 70 board games for you to come in and play. It's five bucks to get in. That five bucks gets you access to all of our games. Really cool people to play with. We run tournaments, and uh, we sell everything for 20% off. So come out, play some board games, make some friends, and uh, I'm always looking for people to play with. So you can check out BadZeroGames.com, Facebook slash BadZeroGames. Love to hear from you. If I pulled out a wad of cash right now, put it on the table, how much money do you want before you just go to town on Woodsy here? What do you mean by go to town? I mean, you attempt to make love to him. How much you got in your pocket? That sounds like it wouldn't be successful. (laughs) So you're you're just going to let it happen? You're not going to get any money out of it. Let it happen. Am I the pitcher or the catcher? I've got $20 in my wallet right now. (laughs) Not worth it. 50 will talk. $1,500? <laughs> wow.